Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. I have two amazing women with me, my guests today, Sandy Weiner and Anne Gray. Um, Sandy is the founder of Last First Date, and she's devoted to helping women over 40 achieve healthy toe curling love. I love that. When I read that, I was like, (laughs) I want toe curling love. (laughs) She's an internationally known TEDx speaker, dating coach, author, um, podcast host who believes and teaches that a woman of value attracts her best partner. Sandy's work has been published in Huffington Post, Psychology Today, Mind Body Green, and The Good Men Project. And she's also the host of Last First Date Radio. Um, it's an acclaimed show about attracting and sustaining healthy relationships in midlife. Thank you for being here, Sandy. Uh, thank you, Jen. And Anne Gray is an author, consultant, and advocate for women over 40 who specializes in empowering women to navigate the world of dating apps um, to find gratifying relationships. And yes, the, the dating app world is a whole new ballgame. Um, she is the author of Amazon bestseller, Sex and the Single Girl, a slightly older girl, a slightly older girl's guide to dominating the dating world. She's an expert contributor at divorceforce.com. Thank you for that. Sure. And a frequent podcast guest on casts like Sextacular You with Dr. Ebert, Ready for Love Radio and Love University. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So this is going to be fun. So I am going to give you guys a, you know, a few minutes to just kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do. And then we're going to jump right in. So Sandy, do you want to lead us off? Actually, my TEDx talk is probably the best way to describe what I do. And my TEDx talk was about living life as a Tootsie Pop. And this concept came to me because I was dating a man who said he was kind of like the strong, silent type. And he said, Uh oh, I'm just like a Tootsie Pop. You know, I'm really tough on the outside and really soft on the inside. And I thought that's just such a great way to describe the kind of guy that most women are attracted to, that tough, strong type, but he's really kind of mushy and soft on the inside. And then I had this epiphany that I was that Tootsie Pop too. And it was actually a bad thing because it really came from being guarded and guarded from all the experiences I had had, which actually led me to marrying my husband, who was the wrong partner for me. And, and just when you're guarded from pain, you're also guarded from love. Mm -hmm. And I had chosen my husband really from my head and not my heart. I thought that if I kept myself safe by ticking off a whole bunch of ticks, that I wouldn't get heartbroken again. And what I've come to really learn post-divorce is the importance of vulnerability. And Brene Brown, who we love and we spoke about before we started, is the queen of vulnerability. And it's, it's just so important to learn how to get strong on the inside, which is like the Heath bar, Mm -hmm. and soft on the outside. So you can't just jump off a cliff into the abyss, which is how so many people see dating after divorce. It's like, but I'm scared. How can I just be myself? How can I be so open and vulnerable? But when you really learn the keys to strengthening internally, 
then you can open easily to the outside and be softer because there's nothing that turns a man off more than a woman with a big giant wall. And right. like, I dare you to get past this wall and I don't need a stinking man. And we saw some comments like that yesterday on your divorce force page. So yeah. it's, that's really my passion is to help women to do that internal work. And I call it the three pillars of core confidence to show up, stand up and speak up. Okay. Um, and when you learn how to communicate effectively and you show up as your authentic self, then you can be yourself and you yeah. can easily know if a person is right for you or wrong for you. So that's, that's kind of in a nutshell. In a how nutshell. I coach. <laughs> it's not such a small nutshell, but it's a nutshell. No, I love that. And I love it. So we don't be a Tootsie Pop, be a Heath bar. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. And they're both sweet, but one of them is hard and the other right. one soft in the right places. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So Thank you for being here again. I'm really excited to um, just connect with you and share really what you teach to everyone that's listening. So, um, Anne, a little bit about you and, and what you do. Sure. Um, my story is, uh, is uh, quite a bit different, I would say. Um, I got divorced um, coming up on three years now. And my biggest fear when I knew I was getting divorced was um, the thought of going back out into the dating world. Um, you know, it wasn't great the first time in my twenties and that was all about going out to bars and, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, Oh my gosh, I'm 43 years old. I can't, I can't do that again. I am going to be doomed to a life of, you know, staying inside on my couch with the real housewives and my cat and a bottle of red wine. You know, I just <laughs> thought that was going to be, um, it for me. And, by kind of chance, um, a friend of mine um, who happens to be a gay man um, introduced me to Tinder um, really soon. Um, so we can talk about, you know, how long you should wait until you date, but really soon after my ex-husband moved out. Um, I'm sure that the timing is different for everyone. But for me, I was ready to get back out there um, immediately. And um, I just had such a very, very good experience with using dating apps and using technology as a tool to meet men, you know, way outside of any circle that I had before, meet um, interesting men, meet men from other cultures, meet men from other religions. Um, you know, I mean, it's just really everything is out there and available. Um, and I just had such a good experience that I was talking to my other single girlfriends in my age range and asking them, you know, are you guys using these apps? Are you doing this? And the response was, no, you know, we're scared of that. We don't know how to do that. You know, are you kidding? That's a hookup app. I'm not going to do that. Um, and so I ended up, um, you know, writing a, a guidebook kind of for how to navigate this new world of dating apps. Um, and um, now I, um, I'm still selling the book, of course, it's available on Amazon, but um, I have a coaching business too, where I'll actually like help you go through your photos and the brief profile that goes on Tinder. I'll help you kind of, um, you know, talk about how it's going to be, talk about the first interaction, give you some feeder texts because texting right, is right. all new. If you, you know, I was married for 11 years, you know, it's a whole new way to communicate um, in order to get to said date. So um, right. the whole world and that the technology, I think, is really brilliant, but it can be really scary as well. So I really kind of guide women through how to 
navigate. I love your perspective because it's not often that you hear someone say that they've had a good experience with online dating. And so to know that that's a possibility and somebody has experienced that and you're here to share with us. And so, I mean, I think that's just awesome. So, okay, so let's jump right in, you know, like let's kind of start at the beginning. And I think you both sort of touched on it already is, you know, you come out of a divorce and there are fears, you know, and one of those fears is, oh my God, I have to start dating again. Oh my God, you know? (laughs) So let's talk about some of the fears you guys see. I was afraid that I wouldn't be accepted for who I was, um, that it wasn't pretty enough, thin enough. Um, You know, it's, it was like 50, I was like 53 when I started dating again something 52. And so I felt old. I felt like I had nursed children. My breasts were saggy. Like, you know, I just had all these very limiting beliefs about myself and my attractiveness. And I see this so often. And as soon as you start dating, I mean, men are so happy to be horizontal with you. Like, seriously, they're not, they're not having, they're not being like, oh my God, you have cellulite. Like, really, I don't want to be in bed with you. They, they like, being in bed with you. And so it's really important to work on our own self-image and how we feel about ourselves and all the beliefs we have. So I think one one fear is, will I be attractive enough? Mm-hmm. And I think we have to really go into dating with, with I am the chooser. And I think that, that often people get shut down from online dating it feels so overwhelming and they do meet the scammers and the the crazy people and the angry people and and then they just say online dating doesn't work right so i think you know just that that's a fear that i'm going to get online and somebody's going to take advantage of me and take my money and want to have sex with me too early and people need to know that they have so much control over their lives over yeah. every decision you make over every text you engage in um so i would say two two of the big fears are will i be attractive enough and you know online dating is is a big giant scary place and i'm petrified yeah um, so, I mean, I could go on, but let, let me give yeah, Anna yeah. a chance. No, I think those are two huge fears and, and very common. Um, and not just in the online dating world, as far as the fear of, am I going to get take, taken advantage of? You know, am I going to fall into that same trap? You know, the same mistakes I made the first time around. How about you, Anne? What, are you, what fears do you see? Sure. Um, I talk a lot about body image. Um, both in my book and with clients, because that you hit on the number one fear, Sandy, of like just not feeling attractive enough. I mean, if you've just gotten divorced, you've presumably been with the same partner for quite some time, who at the end of a divorce probably wasn't looking at you like you are the goddess that you are, um, (laughs) (laughs) or treating you as such. And so, you know, that's a really big place of vulnerability. And it's kind of a chicken and an egg thing, because it's hard to put yourself back out there. But once you do and you realize you're right, Sandy, like men don't care about cellulite. They could care less about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's really, truly amazing. And I'll, I mean, just to realize that. So, I mean, once you experience that, it like opens up this whole new world where you're not, you're not scared of that or to meet somebody or, you know, or like suddenly there's more acceptance of, who you are, what you look like. And especially for women over 40, I think it's really like 
you know, we're not getting any younger, that last 10 pounds, that last 20 pounds, uh, you know, it's, you know, you might not lose it. It's, it's, it, it, it's about accepting who you are right now and realizing that others will absolutely, you know, enjoy you and your body and your person and everything that you have to offer. So, you know, it's once you can get past that and actually experience that, um, you're on your way. Yeah, I think I think you guys both like really hit on that biggest fear. I know I, when I have spoken to clients and friends over 40 who have divorced, you know, their initial fear is, oh, my gosh, I'm competing with the 20 year olds, the 30 year olds yeah. and that feeling of just being old. Yeah, it's so important. This this whole thing of compare and despair, we have to stop doing that in general. You know, it's just focusing back on what makes you so amazing. And a lot of people, when I taught my first coaching course on dating after divorce years ago, I said, well, tell me one special thing about you. And they really could not do it. It was like, uh, I think I have nice hair. Mm. And I'm like, seriously, you are an amazing person. And so what I do now, I, I have a coaching group um, that meets a couple times a month. And I make them brag about themselves every single session. Like, what are you super proud of? Like, what is your badass thing that you did this week that you are just, you're knocking it out of the park? Yeah. Because we're so good at criticizing, but we're not so good at saying, wow, I did this really hard thing. I yeah. took a risk. I took an emotional risk this week. I put myself out there. I, you know, I didn't eat chocolate for a day. I'm really proud of myself. Whatever it is, you yeah. know, we all do incredible things and we just don't give ourselves credit for it. So the more we can do that for ourselves is, first of all, it makes us feel better, but it also gives us something to share on a date. If we prepare for our dates the way we prepare for job interviews by taking those highlights of our lives and reframing some of the things that happened to us instead of sharing it like a wound, you know, my God, this terrible thing happened and my ex is so horrible. Talk about the positives. Talk about like, wow, I, I you know, this was really hard for me and be vulnerable. And you yeah. know, how about you? What's what's like the, the most challenging thing you've ever overcome? I mean, now we're having real conversation on a date instead of like, oh, I have to be this perfect person because I'm comparing myself to a 20 year old. Be you. <laughs> yeah, be you. I mean, eventually you're going to be found out anyway. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, and if you connect to somebody by being fake, when that person finds out who you really are, it's right. going to be like, who the hell are you? Yeah. So, yeah, it's there are a lot of dating coaches and advice out there that tells you to be something else. It makes me crazy. Yeah. I had I had a potential client once tell me that this dating coach told her she had to grow her hair because men only like long hair. Oh, and dear. she had to wear like skin tight clothes and cleavage showing because that's what men want. And I'm like, that's not you. Why would you yeah. do that? And that's saying you're not good enough. And yeah. so we have to stop all this negative self talk and listening to all this crap from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're kind of back ending into this next little area, which is, you know, and, and I think, Anne, you said this earlier, talking about when's the right time to start dating. So, you know, you have these fears, these insecurities, and, and you guys are both sort of brushing on um, getting past those. So what, a, 
you know, is there like inner work or things that you suggest women do as they prepare themselves to get ready to start dating? I did no inner work. I threw myself back out there, (laughs) you know, head first, just go. Um, And for me, like, that was a lot of my healing process, to be honest. I also, um, you know, I teach women to use dating apps. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a trained counselor. I don't, you know, say I'm any of that. Yeah. Um, and I did check myself into therapy for a year, and I recommend that either seeing somebody like Sandy or I just saw, you know, just not anybody to do with dating, just like a regular person to talk to and figure stuff out because it's really, it's really rough when you get divorced. Your world is rocked. Yeah. Um, but part of my healing process um, was actually going back to one of the most primal things you could do, which is have sex. And because I hadn't had it in my marriage for so long, that was something that I personally needed to do. And it was quite healing. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm being such a slut. And my therapist was like, no, you are actually resetting your psyche. Like you are doing one of the, you know, like one of the most primal things that you can possibly do. So it's different for everybody, of course. Um, but and then it's also like how you define dating. Like, you know, are you ready to date? Well, how about just be ready to meet another human being and learn about somebody new and be open to, you know, like humans need other humans, like just being open to that and not having a specific agenda. I find that super freeing Um, dating in my forties and soon to be fifties that, you know, not having a checklist, not having an agenda, not specifically seeking a husband or even a long-term relationship um, is, is, is fine. It's a, it's a, it's an, it's a way to live until you decide you want something else. It's a, it's a way to explore. Um, it's a way to, to just live a really interesting and full life until you decide you do want to be in a relationship. How about you, Sandy? I love what Anne said. And because it's the opposite of what I'm going to say, but I, I actually, part, part of what you say is what I teach. And I think that there is no right way. There is no rule book. Mm -hmm. You have to pay attention to what it is that you're comfortable with. And I think some people live in their heads and they're never ready and they stay stuck because they don't get out and do. So doing is a big part of learning. Mm. But if you're just doing and you're not being conscious about it, you won't learn either. So I think you have to have a balance of both the head and the heart. And I, I agree with you 100% that dating as a way to meet people and broaden your life, both of your lives, and have experiences. I mean, dating is, is a school. It's, it's, a, it's a great way to learn about yourself and about men. And yeah. for men, it's a great way to learn about women. And if we can take away from each date, I, I like to debrief my dates and my clients' dates by using my method is a three, two, three, two method. So it's after every day, find three things that you like about the guy. And so we tend to just go like, Oh oh my God, he was so not for me, but like, what are three things you liked? Maybe he had nice shoes. I mean, that could be a good thing. (laughs) He showed up on time and you know, he, uh, he had nice hair. Uh, You know, if you can't find anything else, but usually there's three things like maybe you took away like, you know, you, you were inspired to try something new because of a conversation you had. And two things that could be yellow or red flags, because what happens is if we are starting to get attracted, 
we tend to get totally stupid mm-hmm. and we ignore the red flags. They get shoved under the rug. The rug becomes lumpy and we start to trip over it. So we really need to take stock when we're, when we're conscious and more focused. And then we go to ourselves and we think of three things that we're really proud of that we did on the date. Maybe we spoke up about something that we were afraid to do on the last date. Maybe we shared a story that was inspired him to share something. Um, you know, you, you like the way you looked, whatever. And then two things that you might want to do differently on the next date. So mm. maybe you kept something in and you, you didn't fully show up. Maybe you didn't share your sense of humor. Maybe, maybe, and this is a big thing that happens a lot with women, especially at this age, especially successful women, is we tend to live in our work head and share our accomplishments and how amazing we are in that, you know, it's all work, 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 work stuff. And here's what I did. It's like a resume. And if you want to connect with somebody's heart, it's okay to share your work experience, but really from a place of feelings and from more about passions than, you know, the, the dry resume. So asking somebody what they do is a boring question, but asking them what they love about what they do, or if they could do something else, what would it be? Yeah. Um, then you get a richer conversation. So what was the question? When are you ready yeah, to date? So, <laughs> yeah. And, and the inner work. And so what I love about work. what you're saying is, is, and I think you both, you know, in a different way are sort of doing what I'm about to say, which is being conscious about how you're dating, you know, knowing what it means for you. And it doesn't, there's no right way or wrong way, but being conscious in the process of what you're getting out of it and, and what, you know, what needs it's meeting, what, how you're sort of co-creating in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're both yeah. kind of talking about that in a very different way. So I just want to share one other thing about the inner work. Um, Mm -hmm. because what I teach is pretty deep. And so in my group, for example, we spend the first month on uncovering some patterns that have been toxic that, Mm. so you really can see, because often we don't see, we, we keep dating the same person with a different face and don't even realize the commonalities. Yeah. You can't see your own blind spots. Yeah. So really getting those blind spots out and uncovering patterns thinking about your attachment style, like how you attach so that you can be more conscious about the right partner for you. Um, Also getting clarity about what it is that you need in your life to be happy. Uh, Because once we know that, and that's true of our daily lives, our basic core needs, our, our physical, our spiritual needs, our sexual needs. I have my clients fill out an operating manual that helps them know how they operate best so they can communicate that. So if Mm, I say like, I need six hours of sleep a night and a guy wants you to sleep over and you know, you're going to get four hours of sleep. um, You need to take care of yourself. So if that happens on a regular basis, you've got to say something about that. Like I'd love to sleep over. And I know that when I stay at your house, I don't get enough sleep and tomorrow I have a big day at work. So I can do it on Friday night, but not on Sunday night, you know, whatever. Um, Or sexually, like when you know what makes you happy and turns you on and you can communicate that. I mean, you know, ladies, men do not read our minds very well (laughs) on any respect. And so (laughs) 
really getting clear with how to communicate, how to not be passive aggressive, all those things. Like if you really look back and see what did I create in my marriage that didn't work, we all took part in a relationship that didn't work, whether our ex was a complete jerk or not. Right. We still, we made a choice to be in that relationship. We made a choice to stay as long as we stayed. And there are always things that we can do better that don't just help our future relationships with men, but with anyone. Absolutely. And you know what you're saying, I just want to go back to the, what you said about needs. I think a lot of times, and you know, this is for women, we were talking about women over 40. I think sometimes women tend to think their needs make them needy and really just learning that we all have needs and healthy needs are communicating. Those is a very important part of not only a relationship, but of dating. And being able to say clearly, that doesn't work for me. Here's what Mm -hmm. works better. Yeah. Simple, you know, not whiny, not keeping it in and suppressing until you implode, you know, stalking, I mean, stomping out of the room, you know, we, people who don't have real clarity about needs often don't express themselves well. And that just leads to drama, which is something that nobody's looking for. So that's sort of like the inner work that you're talking about doing so that before you sort of jump in, you're not sort of recreating all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, even while you're jumping in. So, you know, don't wait until you're perfect. (laughs) Um, It'll never happen. I've had so many women come to me 10 years after a spouse passed away. You know, they were taking care of their kids. And meanwhile, their oldest kid is like 17. He's like, mom, get out of the house. Please give me some privacy. And and it's an excuse after a while. And so then it becomes so scary to get Mm. yourself out there. So Mm. I think people need to be encouraged to do get out and keep working on yourself in the process. Keep learning, like we said, you know, and you went to therapy, but you were dating at the same time. Yeah, you Um, jumped right in. And yeah. Well, I think it's so awesome, Anne. It's like you really were willing to take the risk and put yourself out there. And and doing that in and of itself is being vulnerable. It is. I have really figured out, well, at least now, what I want in my life. And it's not necessarily a serious relationship. So I talk to, you know, a lot of my message is about that it you don't need, like society tells us we should be all coupled up. But really, I'm an advocate. The, the word that was missing from my bio is an advocate for single women over 40. Um, because I think that living a single life can be brilliant. And I think that sometimes some women spend a, an awful lot of time and energy trying to figure out how to um, be in love and fall in love and be coupled up. And I think, especially if you've been divorced, that it can be just a time of exploration. It can be a time to explore your sexuality. It can be a time to explore a new career. It can be a time to reinvent yourself. It can be a time to learn a new language. It can be a time to travel. It can be a time of enormous freedom. Yeah. Um, so jumping back into dating, yes, jumping back into a relationship, I'm not even there yet. Um, And I know that about myself and I set boundaries as such in my relationships. So really just giving yourself permission. What you want. I mean, really. 
like you're not married anymore. <laughs> yeah. We hear a lot of people when they're dating, they are dating to find the one. You know, yeah. I hear everyone just wants to find the one. Oh, he's not the one. He was nice, not the one. Yeah. Um, and do you guys think that that like sort of cuts off possibility right at the neck in a sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's it's self-sabotaging because yeah. It leads to burnout, it leads to disappointment, it leads to expectations that are totally unrealistic. 99% of the people you're gonna meet are not gonna be the one. So every single date is gonna be a complete disappointment unless you go in with the attitude of, I hope I like him, I hope it's a nice conversation. I hope I have an, ex you know, an experience of learning something new in my life. I hope that. Yeah eat a different kind of food or hear a different kind of music or, you know, just, it can be so, so much more than, and, but it can absolutely lead to a yummy, loving relationship, but yes. it is about your attitude going into it. And I think especially for women over 40, if you can just shift that and just go in with much more openness, you know, anything is possible at any time. Um, and you're just going to have a much better experience along the way. Yeah, I think mindset is everything. So yeah. if we have yeah. what's known as a growth mindset where everything is to learn from, everything is about also finding all the places where we close off ourselves. So we spoke before we started, Jen, about the absolutes, you know, mm -hmm. all yeah. men are this, and all women are this, and all all, all people who are divorced and left their spouse are this. I mean, really, it's it just, it colors everybody with one brush. And personally, I would not want to be judged in that way. So if, you know, really, first of all, know yourself and know how you want to be treated. And if you don't want to be judged, then stop judging everybody else and mm. be more open and you'll be delighted. You know, you'll be delighted and not disappointed. And isn't that like so beautiful? I, I just want to say like, just to be delighted, delighted by dating, you know, like <laughs> what an awesome way to sort of approach it. How does a woman know though? So if she's out on a date and she's trying not to sort of cut herself off by saying, okay, I know this guy isn't the one, what's the point, you know, and, and just sort of shut it down. How does a woman know though, the difference between, you know, this person is a really nice person. I know he's not for me but to continue in that process. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause women also don't want to sort of waste quote unquote, waste time, you know, uh -huh. especially with kids and jobs and, and all this, we all have limited time. So, cause I know, I guess where it's coming from is I know a lot of women who crowd their space with a lot of men that they know there's, it's not going anywhere. And I feel like that's on the other side of the spectrum, a way to sort of, also make it hard to find your person if that's what you're looking for. Does that make sense? I think we have a tendency to either write somebody off too quickly or spend too much time with the wrong person. I think yeah. that both are true. And to me, what gives, what, what would give somebody another chance and another chance would be First of all, having that clarity of what your must-haves are. Are you enjoying the company of this person? Do they have your some of your must-haves? Do they have none of your deal breakers? Like if you're tolerating things with a person and you're so pissed off, I mean, I see 
this is so true of so many people. We go into dating and we're like, God, I hate that he does this, but you know, he'd be great if only he just had, you know, blank. And you're sitting there tolerating stuff like, stop it. You know, men do this much less often. They're just like, yeah, no, I don't know, may maybe, but not for me. And they'll just move on. And um, because it's more of a feeling. So how do you feel with the person you're with? Are you enjoying their company? Do they do you laugh together? Do you see the world in similar ways? Are you learning something from each other? Do you find some inspiration in being together? Keep saying them. Yeah. You know, are you feeling butterflies? I hope not like in the first minute because <laughs> then your brain goes fuzzy. So it's it's you're not you're not looking for that, you know, the instant chemistry. I, I'll know it when I see it. You know, if you're a grown up, then hopefully we are by the time we're over 40, then we're not looking for just just the lust part unless that's unless that's what you're looking for. If you just want that and you want to just have a lot of sex, go for it. But if you're really looking for more of a long-term relationship, then really be clear about all those things and um, and stop spending time with people who don't have them and hoping they'll change. I mean, I married that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people did. Yeah. So, you know, if you see this giant red flag and you just ignore it, it's not going to get better. Even in casual relationships, I don't put up with somebody who's not inspiring or, you know, mm -hmm. like there's not something really intriguing about them that makes me want to spend time with them, even in a casual relationship. Like, yeah. you know, I, you know, there's a, I forget who said it about the people that you spend time with the most time with like that really influences, you know, how, how you think and how you succeed in this world. And so I, I think it's, it's important to think about even in casual relationships mm -hmm. or, you know, who, who you really like your time is yours. This is it. Really paying attention to what you feel, you know, yeah. Not in the headspace feel, but if if you feel good in space with this person, if it feels good to share space with this human, well, then maybe there's something to learn there or just yeah. to sort of hang around in for a while. Yeah. yeah. And if you're feeling icky, yeah. pay attention to that, too. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share also that a lot of clients come to me with these lists that are ridiculous. And I think people do that in general. It's, it's a way to guard yourself really to stay safe. So if you think that in order, because you're, maybe your ex-husband was a lazy bum and he didn't, you know, really keep his jobs and maybe he had some form of mental illness that I will never date a guy who doesn't, he's not in a C-suite and he, you know, so the, the lists become the opposite of what you just had because you think that's what's going to be making you happy. And so I had a client who, um, she grew up in a very abusive environment and her mother's message to her was men are like shirts. You can, you know, wear them and then throw them out <laughs> and, and basically <laughs> take care of yourself, get yourself an education, be free, never be tethered to a man. And yeah. so this woman struggled with relationships her whole life until she started to really undo the damage of her childhood. Mm. And she was married twice and divorced twice. And um, her whole list had to do with safety. And um, it all came from fear, fear of being poor, fear of having to be a caretaker, fear of, you know, being trapped. And so I helped her create a list that was based in love. And I helped her live a life based in love. So every decision we make can come from love and not fear. For example, breakfast, you know, I'm eating this because it makes me happy. Right. And it, it 
it feels good to take care of my body, not I'm afraid I'm going to get fat. So I'm really restricting myself from carbs this morning. It's such a different reframe. And when you start living your life that way, you're going to attract in people who are also positive, you know, love filled instead of fear filled. And this woman found an amazing guy who she never would have dated because he didn't fall into her list. And, and that is the truth. And if, you know, people can really take this away that the person you meet is going to probably be nothing like you ever imagined. It's going to be a surprise package. It almost always is. And it's everything you needed, but never thought you did. <laughs> so it's, it's really being open in ways that you can be and being super picky about the things that absolutely don't work for you. Right. And so that list really should only be your non-negotiables and your must-haves so that the rest of you can really be free to be playful and adventurous in whatever is sort of being presented. Exactly. So like if you, a lot of people will go in with blinders on, you know, I can only date this kind of religion. Like you were saying, Anne, that you met people of all different religions and people date outside of their race. I mean, this is an opportunity to see how far out of your comfort zone works for you. Yeah. It could be really exciting. It could open you up to a completely different thing than you've ever had, a different experience than you've ever had. And it could be amazing. And I'm going to field this question to you first. As women prepare to sort of jump in and, and go out there and start dating, what can they expect to be different now? Just a lot has changed. And um, I think that technology in all areas of our lives is enhancing it and sometimes making it better. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly a lot of conveniences like rideshare, for example, that's brilliant and um, getting groceries delivered, which is brilliant, getting anything delivered, <laughs> um, brilliant. Um, and I look at dating apps in the same way and those are certainly all new. And, um, you know, it's a different experience. It's not like, I remember when I was dating the first time, like match.com had just started. And it was all scary and people were sorely misrepresenting themselves on these days. Yeah. And it was a miserable experience. And I have to say that um, dating apps now are fairly mainstream. Um, and that, you know, if you don't have an accurate picture of yourself up there, or if you're not saying authentic things about yourself, you're going to get called out on it pretty darn quickly. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that has changed for sure, I think people understand that they need, you know, that it needs to be real. Although I will say there are a fair amount, and I understand it's worse for men who are like on Tinder. There's a lot of, um, you know, kind of bots that aren't real women that are. So, I mean, I think there's definitely like lots of things to avoid, and that happens for women as well. I mean, if something is too good to be true, for sure it is. <laughs> That's my advice there. Um, <laughs> but you can, you know, if you start chatting with somebody, you can weed out fairly quickly that they're a real person. You know, and I think the other thing that's changed is we can find out so much information about somebody before we ever meet them in person, which is kind of scary, but also kind of good. So, for example, I always have women or I always tell women to find men that they meet on one of these apps on LinkedIn. 
before mm -hmm. they meet them because then you can kind of check out, make sure they are who they say they are, make sure they're professional, see what reviews their clients and colleagues have to say nice things about them. I mean, it just does kind of help validate, um, you know, like I like to date professional men. So like that, that works really well for kind of just validating that. So it's not a super scary thing when you actually meet them in person because you actually know they're a real person and they have the job they said they had. And, you know, sometimes you can find them, um, you know, just by the information that's in the app. Like sometimes they'll put like where they went to school or what, you know, sometimes people put where they work. And so cause right. sometimes you can Google like their first name and, you know, some of that information and find them. And if you can't, I say ask for their last name, like be transparent because they're doing the same thing on you. I guarantee you 100 percent. And <laughs> if there's nothing to hide, then there's nothing to hide. So I think that's one of the biggest changes is you can know a heck of a lot about somebody. You know, it's not like meeting at a bar at two in the morning and you have no idea really who this person is. So I also work with women with online dating, um, not really with the apps as much as the dating sites. So I write a profile right. and I guide them with pictures and I actually do my uh my calls on Zoom conferencing. So mm -hmm. I share screen with them and I log into their site and mm -hmm. I'll help them message and navigate and search because right. I find that it's just so overwhelming for, for the women that I work with to, to even know where to look and who to give a second chance or, you know, somebody who's not their type. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the safety piece is really important. And I, I also suggest that people get uh, a number that can't be traced. So whether it's through Google voice or which is free, or they can do it through something like hushed, which is an app that um, there are many apps that you can have a, a voice that's not traceable. So you want to make sure that if you're not ready yet to give out your private information that you don't have to. And, um, same with email address. I find a lot of people have their full name and their email address and somebody will say, let's, let's exchange email addresses. So know that you can create a Gmail account, you know, address that is, could be a screen name. It could be completely different. So I recommend that. And, um, sometimes Google is not your friend. And because a lot of times when you Google people, it, tons of stuff will come up and it's not always accurate and you can form a conclusion about somebody before meeting them that may not be true. So I once connected with somebody and I had a really bad feeling about him and I, I Googled him and found out that he was an ex con and um, he had been in federal prison for embezzlement and oh, wow. some pretty bad stuff because he wanted to date me like the next week. And I said, you know, I just found out something about you and, uh, you know, was that you? And he goes, yeah, but none of it's true. And I'm like, yeah, but you went to federal prison. So I just didn't want to date him. Yeah. Um, but there are times like somebody could get sued for something and they were not responsible. Right. Um, so I think we can, again, form conclusions. We need to ask questions if we see something questionable. Mm -hmm. At least I encourage being curious instead of going right to a judgment. But I also think there's something really wonderful about meeting somebody knowing nothing, yeah. just like you would meet them on the street and know nothing and not having lots of preconceived notions. And I, I know that when I started dating, one of the biggest problems I had was building a relationship in my head with somebody I had never met. 
and mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. their profile was so engaging and we had phone calls and then we get into these long intimate phone calls and we were already planning two dates at a time before meeting at all <laughs> and it was just like yeah i'm gonna walk down the aisle with this guy <laughs> and then i meet him and it's just like oh my god i can't even be in the same space with this person i don't connect at all in person so that in-person meeting, like you said before, Anne, has to happen as soon as possible. This, the, the sites and the apps are really for meeting. They're, they're really just for connecting, not for dating, and get off them and meet in person, see what it's like. You know, Google can tell you so much, but that in-person, and start trusting your gut. Yeah, that feeling you get is really an important telltale sign, you know, your gut instinct. Yeah. So I think we talked about that actually before we came on live. So Anne, um, yeah. why don't you talk a little bit about that? You know, you were saying um, what Sandy was just saying about using the apps really to meet, engage, but then move off. And I had to learn that the hard way. Um, <laughs> there was a guy that I met and we just chatted for, I don't know, it must've been three weeks. Our schedule just didn't align to get back together. And he was fun and flirty and we just had the best you know text chats ever and when i finally met him i couldn't make any connection between the person that i was chatting with and the person the very serious man in front of me i was like oh my god <laughs> right <laughs> we ended up being friends but it certainly wasn't any kind of connection because it was just such a disconnect right so really i view these apps um merely as tools to meet somebody um, outside of your friend sphere, outside of your business sphere, uh, you know, in a completely different circle, I find really interesting because often that oftentimes, you know, people just end up dating friends and friends of friends and kind of everybody in the whole circle has dated everybody else. By, yeah. By the time you're 40. So it's, um, it's, it's a really good way to, um, to experience something totally different, but it, but it is just a tool. How do you guide women to sort of get out of that tech, that exchange, that back and forth, back and forth, and get to a meeting? Yeah, well, I would say if something hasn't been set up within a week, I would um, just discontinue the situation on all these apps, you have the ability to disconnect. And if there's not enough interest, um, you know, or somebody can't make time to meet you when seemingly you have this connection, it's just time to move on. Because you know what the other thing is, like I was saying, these apps are really mainstream. So there's thousands of, and depending upon where you live, there's thousands and thousands of choices out there. Right. So, um, you know, that's another thing that gets a little bit tricky with disposability, but it's not like I'm just discarding somebody. I mean, I would give them a chance to set something up and then if they don't, I would just be done with that and move on. As you were talking about disposability, and I think that we also can be seen as disposable and that the way around that, because I think this whole compare and despair thing that we talked about earlier, a lot of that comes from us being too generic in our profile, in our photos, mm -hmm. in our presence on a first, second, third date. Yep. And for people like me, who I was always very quiet and reserved because I'm a very introspective and introverted person, that you got to bring it you got to really overcome some of those fears because it's like nobody's got time to peel that onion. There's always somebody else. And so if you show up at your best and bring your best self out early on, mm -hmm. and um, that's, that's really what's going to make the best connections. And so you don't want to be seen as disposable. You've got to really bring, bring your full self out. 
there is the theory that this whole meet for coffee thing is more like a job interview. You're in, you're out. No one's really giving each other a chance. And then there's the theory that coffee's great because you get a chance to just meet briefly and see before you invest all, all this time. So what do you guys think? I think coffee is great. Although I must say scare, it was scary, but some of my most successful first dates had been dinner, which is scary because it's like a bigger commitment. But something just told me like, you know, go with this. He asked you out for dinner, let him take you out for dinner. And you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to waste, you know, you're going to spend a few hours of your life that you're not going to get back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, that's, that's really the worst that can happen. Um, so that's been interesting. And I, I don't have any science to back up like, you know, what, what that was. Um, but I think definitely something where you can just connect with each other. Some, you know, definitely someplace that's more quiet, whether it be a coffee shop or, you know, meet at a quiet bar somewhere for a drink or two. Don't drink too much. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but, you know, the dinner, the dinner thing, I must say, especially in one relationship that I had, um, worked out and made a ton of sense. I would agree that dinner can work. Uh, I think what happens to a lot of women is they feel obligated in some way, like it's transactional. I, you yeah. paid for dinner, so that means mm. I have to kiss you, even though I don't oh. really want to, or I have to say yes to a second no. date. And I feel, no. so yeah, no, <laughs> um, it's not prostitution. Somebody isn't paying for your sex. But person. also, if, if you're in this date and you see that it's not going to be something that you want to pursue, like it was interesting getting to know them, the food was good, like fine you know, split the check. I mean, and then that just takes that out of the, equa equa you know, the equation completely. Yeah, you can do that. Like obligated to anybody else. And, you know, we're talking about women over 40. So presumably a lot of us have our own careers, make our own money or, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not so much into the chivalry of men paying. <laughs> yeah. So I have, I have mixed views on that. I yeah. think that if a man is asking a woman out um, and he, asks her to dinner, he's willing to pay for dinner. I mean, that, that is, and I, I, I think that if we say yes to dinner, it doesn't mean, and we don't want to see him again, we're not obligated to pay yeah. for dinner. If you want to do it, fine. But I think also if you want to be respected, cherished, I think a lot of women are really coming across as I don't need a man in my life because we don't really need a man. <laughs> Um, we don't need him for the day to day for maybe for paying the bills and for taking care of us, but there is a need, you know, we, we need relationships, we need yeah. intimacy, we have needs. And yeah. so it's, it's really looking at it that way. So first dates that I've enjoyed, I think, I think coffee is fun. I think I would recommend that people go to a place that has service so that you can see how he treats the service people. And that's really important. Yeah. The other thing is uh, I went to a museum on a first date. I thought that was really fun because you can talk and you have your side by side, which is less, less threatening, especially with men, because they tend to have conversations side by side with each other. Hmm. So the face-to-face the -face can be a little bit more uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and the museum pieces can be conversation starters. Right. Um, going for a walk. I've gotten coffee at a coffee shop and taken a walk in a local park. Just anything that you can really just get to know somebody briefly to yeah. decide if you want to go on a second date. I mean, it's really, to me, the first date is really to meet. 
it's not even really a date. It's a, it's a meet yeah. date. It's yeah. You know, I mean, and how do I feel when I'm in this person's energy in this person's space? Yeah. I can, do I, right. Do I like him enough to want to see him again? Right. And that takes up all that pressure too of like, Oh, I hope he's the one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have a question that came in from Becky. <clears throat> she actually has two questions. So her first question is, how do we start dating again at 57? It seems strange for me to do online dating. And then her second question after that is though, what is a good line, a good online site to use? So let's start with her first question about she's 57 and it feels strange. Dating is strange at any age. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm 61 now and it's, uh, it is what it is. It's like, you know, online dating, if you're not dating anybody in real life, online dating is a fabulous tool for you to use to meet people. Yes. So how do you start? You just do. Um, you know, we've <laughs> yes. talked a lot about just jumping in, doing some inner work, getting feeling better about yourself so that you're not freaking out. And um, I would say for online dating, every site really works if you know how to work it. And so it's important to learn some good strategies. I have a course available on my site um, for online dating after 40. And um, I know Anne teaches about online dating on apps. And um, so if, if you show up as your best with your best profile with everything, then, um, you know, it's just a matter of really getting used to doing it. Uh, there, there are some good free sites that you can start with, like OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, depending on where you live. And um, Match.com is, is like the still the standard. I still have clients join Match because the people who are on one site are going to be on pretty much every other one. Uh, and Anne, what do you have to say? Well, I mean, the other thing is, I think, yeah, going, you know, dating again at 57, you know, would be... Um, an, an interesting challenge, but I think that recognizing that the online thing is really mainstream, um, especially like Match or eHarmony or something like that. And isn't there a site for um, for older people? Have you explored it? It's um, what is it? Um, our time. There's, there's our time. There's Silver Singles. There's a lot of them. I mean, um, would those be a safer entry point for somebody who's older? A lot of people don't really like them. They don't have a big enough range. You can yeah. go on Match.com and search for people in your age range too. So yeah. I, I recommend that. I think I think you need something that's got a lot of choice, and then maybe something boutique that's smaller. So yeah. if you give yourself options and maybe if you're a Christian and you only want to date Christians and you go on Christian mingle or you're Jewish and you go on J date and, um, but those sites don't have the greatest reputation either. You know, uh, gotcha. people who one of my girlfriends did have success on one of those. So she's, in yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Everybody yeah. finds love on every site every yeah. day, all day. So it's finding what works for you. And I think, again, it, it goes back to even being open, just like just being ready for an adventure, like getting in that mindset that we talked about, like the mindset is really the most important thing when you go back dating after divorce, I think. I agree. We talked a little bit about mindset. And I love what we said before about being delighted by dating. That's stuck in my head. Because <laughs> so I was just going to ask you, you know, sort of a two part question, which is, why, you know, why should women over 40 want to date, you know, and, and what should the attitude be? You know, what is sort of the, I don't want to say prize, but, you know, the, the, the 
the, the thing they're going to get out of it, you know, to put themselves out there. What's, mm-hmm. you know, why should they be willing to take that risk? Well, I think that we're all human beings and like intimacy and touching somebody and kissing somebody, holding somebody's hand, having somebody to in your space to go out to dinner with. I mean, it's just, it's all a human need. So if you can get in your head that absolutely every man out there has the same need that you have, um, it kind of levels the playing field um, in my mind, at least. And again, it's mindset. Um, but just understanding that we're, you know, that we're all human and we, we need human connections. I mean, you could choose not to date, but I think that would be a really lonely existence. Mm. Um, and, and I, and I, I just, yeah, I, I just think that would be so sad because I'm like having so many amazing experiences in my life and so much fun. And, but if you were never willing to put yourself out there and be vulnerable enough to have those experiences, you're not going to have them. And so it's just really, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be willing to do it. You have to be willing to take a risk. Yeah. Don't be a Tootsie Pop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I, I would say, yes, people have trouble visioning the relationship that could be possible because often people who get to this stage of life have not had successful relationships. And so what I want to say is do the work to realize what got in the way of having the successful relationships, not that they don't exist. It's that maybe you had a really crappy childhood and your models have been terrible. And so you've been dating to somehow heal that your whole life. And when you heal within, you're no longer going to be looking to fix a broken person. You're going to look to really connect deeply with somebody who is grown up, who is capable of, a much deeper relationship than you could ever have had when you were 20. I mean, for the most part, I think it's fabulous to date at this age because we we're, we bring a whole wealth of experience, of maturity. And I find that men are much more emotionally literate at this age. They're willing to talk about feelings so much more. And so we we're kind of evening out while their testosterone is waning and our estrogen, you know, our estrogen is waning. We're sort of almost equal in many ways. Um, you know, women have all this success in the workplace and we're, we're independent. And so we're coming not from a place of neediness, but a place of this is a desire that I have to be with this person. It's a choice. Mm. And we're not doing it for, you know, because we're farmers and we need somebody to go farm the land. I mean, maybe some people listening are farmers, but, um, but really it's, it's just, it's for us. And so I, I remember just thinking like my marriage was really to have children. Mm. Um, for me, that was my biggest goal was to have a family. And I did that. And so my first marriage was really for them. And this time around, it's for me. It's for companionship. It's for adventure. It's for enhancement of my life and for me to do the same for a man. And I think it's a very different thing. So if you can really imagine that, whatever yeah. it is for you, that's that's delicious. I love that. And anything, do you want to add to that at all? I think that's a great sort of, I was going to ask you, you know, what do you want to leave people with? And I think Sandy sort of answered that (laughs) before I even asked it, because I think that's really, you know, just such a powerful message. 
I think dating as a woman over 40, Sandy, you hit it on the head that we do, we are, we know who we are. It's not like dating in your 20s. We have lived life. We have confidence that we didn't have before. We have financial stability that we didn't have before in most cases. Um, and it's, it is about what you want now moving forward and how you want to live your life and who you want in it. And um, being open to exploring and being vulnerable in order to get what you want. Yeah, I love that. Sandy, how can people connect with you and, and find you after today? So pretty much all my everything is on my website, which is lastfirstdate.com. And people who are women over 40 who want to join my Facebook group called Your Last First Date. It's a, it's a very supportive, non-man bashing, non-women bashing group. I, it's heavily monitored. I have seven group monitors, one for every day of the week because it's big group. Conversations in singles groups can easily go off the rails. And I have a mission to keep this a positive place where everybody is in a growth mindset and um, is open to supporting in a real way. And it's, mm. it's been an amazing, amazing place. So connect with me there, your last first date or at lastfirstdate.com. If anybody wants to have a complimentary consultation with me, uh, there's a link for an application for that. Um, if anybody really wants to explore coaching, because, you know, the trust issues are really because we've trusted the wrong people and we've been too trusting about the wrong things. I really believe that that's so much of it. So it's not about never trusting people again. It's really learning who to trust how to trust and to really even just really trust yourself first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, Anne, how can people stay connected to you? Sure. Same thing where all paths, all my paths lead to my website, which is anngray.com, A-N-N-E-G-R-E-Y.com. And I just put up, um, there's a little tab that says get, uh, get help. <laughs> and I just put up a, I just put up a new special that I'm running. It's called a spring fling um, that I recommend if you've had a dark winter of not having so much companionship. I will um, go over your Tinder and Bumble profile with you um, just to give you some reassurance that you're on the right path and everything looks good. I will be um, available for um, some on-demand text help. Um, as you get into chatting with people and want a little reassurance that you're saying the right thing or, oh my gosh, you said this and I don't know what to say back. Um, <laughs> I, I offer that in the package as well. Um, and then I also just give some general message starters. So I think texting is kind of the most confusing thing that happens if you haven't used dating apps yeah. um, before. Like it's this whole kind of fast thing that happens and um, I kind of guide women through that process. So that's on my website and also there's a link to buy my book, which is really a guide for women in their 40s and 50s about not only dating, but just living a really full and vibrant life. Well, thank you ladies so much for being here, for hanging out with me for the last hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> 